Welcome to the Free Range Preacher on Prayer Podcast. My name is Richard, and I'm the podcast announcer. Fred wanted to give me the title Head Sound Designer, but I reminded him I have a reputation to uphold. As Seven says, we won't be doing that anytime soon. I'm happy to announce the third season of the Free Range Preacher on Prayer Podcast. Fred is still the podcast host. The purpose of the podcast continues to be the exhortation, encouragement, and exploring the details of a passionate, growing, biblical, dynamic, and soul-satisfying prayer life. Prayer is the lifeline for Christians. The discipline of prayer leads us to glorify God, helps us in conforming to His eternal will, and part of our experiencing the blessings of eternal life here and now. Thank you for joining Free Range Preacher in our odyssey with God through prayer. And now, once again, here's our host, Fred. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this beautiful day. We do thank you and we bless you for your goodness to us, for your mercies and your grace. We bow before you today to pray for your daily protection. We ask, Holy God, that you would keep us before you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that you would keep us before you physically, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally so that we can live out our days and enjoy the abundant life right here and right now, enjoy enjoy you for eternity, and then, sweet Jesus, while we are here to do your will. We thank you and we bless you. We pray that you would open our eyes today to see wonderful things from thy law. Help us to pray. Help us to be moved to pray effectively according to your will, those things that will glorify you and to be best for us as we're conformed to your will. We commit this time and these things to you, asking Lord Jesus, bowing before you, praying that you will teach us. Welcome to the Free Range Preacher on Prayer podcast. My name is Fred, and I am the host of the podcast. We find ourselves back to the Lord's Prayer. I thought we might be wrapping up this section, but we're not ready to do that yet. In fact, we are, for me, in the most troublesome spot in this prayer. And it's troublesome for a couple of reasons. As we pray, as we hear then, Jesus tell us, Pray then this way, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As I said, we are here again. And I wanted to preface this study today with just a little incident that happened as I was wrestling with these verses. A couple of nights ago, as I was getting ready to finish up what I wanted to say in the study, I listened to a sermon. And I listened to the sermon to just check my theology a little bit. I didn't think it was terrible, but I wanted to check it. And that is basically how I taught Sunday school, and for the most part, teach or talk on these episodes. 
I take it by faith that God teaches each one of us. That is, of course, is with the knowledge that there are exceptional teachers and there are pastors who spend a lot of time in the Word of God and have time to research and know the Greek and all that, those sorts of things. But I do believe that just a plain reading of Scripture, studying of Scripture, that the Holy Spirit does teach to us, teach us while we do that individually. So my process is and has been and probably will continue to be when I'm faced with a verse like this or a passage that I am wrestling with is to read, pray over, meditate repeatedly through the verse and then apply the other things I know to see if I can get a handle on what the passage is saying. And then sometimes I'll check before I commit to teaching the passage just to make sure I'm haven't gotten anything wildly wrong. So I listened to this trusted theologian, and I did conclude that my theology was correct, at least within the bounds of, of what is orthodoxy. I varied a little bit from what he was saying. However, and it is a big however, that's an old joke some of you may get, I was really disappointed in the tenor of the sermon. It was a harsh rebuke. That's the way it came across. And I'm convinced that we are Christians. We have our new inner man. You've heard me talk about that before, ad nauseum maybe. And that we are in varying stages of spiritual growth. And that as a general rule, for the most part, we do not need to be coerced into doing what God wants us to do. Our new inner man will take care of that. God is teaching us in his timing he will help take care of that. And I just don't think we need chewed out over the Word of God. Obviously, in a personal relationship or somebody, your pastor, or somebody you're submitting to, they have a right to rebuke us. And I have been rebuked many times in my life. But I sincerely believe and prayerfully teach and exhort, especially in the area of prayer, that we need to expect the best from one another not the worst, and that he is leading us all in his timing according to his will. And prayerfully, over the last couple of years, going on to three years now, I've been consistent in that, those commitments. And hopefully, hopefully over the last three years, I have been consistent in those beliefs and taught according to those beliefs. If you listen to this podcast or are interested in it, you are a Christian, or the Lord is leading you, drawing you to himself, and that he's working on all our inner mans to help us to do his will. I hope all that makes sense. Now, to the passage itself, we have discussed before that this passage is Jesus telling us how to pray, giving us a framework, not a prayer to be recited. And when we look at this prayer and we think about worship, intercession, confession, specifically here in this prayer, we are reflecting in every phrase, in every verse, with every word, our dependence on him. We settle our hearts, minds, and souls to acknowledge him, his will, his word, his teaching, his salvation to us, and we dedicate ourselves to him. And when we pray, we're praying all this with an attitude of submission. And I really had a blessed time with this passage as I wrestled through it, reading, meditating, praying, reasoning in the biblical context as to why we pray 
lead us not into temptation. It's been a real blessing and a joy for me. Now, we talked last time about a sticky wicket. And a sticky wicket, we said, in the game of cricket, introduces a randomness for the pitcher, the bowler, making his decisions more difficult as he's not sure what's going to happen as he delivers the ball. And for us, it kind of seems random. We're praying. We want to we want to be led away from temptation. And sometimes that seems a little random to us, the temptations that come. But our looking at this, the sticky wicket for us here specifically was James 1.13 tells us this, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil and he himself does not tempt anyone. Why then would we pray, Lord, do not lead us into temptation? As we have already hinted at, we are securing in our own minds our dependence on God over sin and temptation. But not only that, when we think of not being tempted, we also must think that it's just not enough that we don't sin, do specific things, or say specific things, but that we do righteousness. We are here to be example of an example of God's love, his holiness, his righteousness, which means doing good things, doing what he wants us to do, doing the things that are right. And so when we set ourselves to pray, lead us not into temptation, we are also praying, lead us to righteousness. Now, I get that basically from Romans 6. Romans 6, 12 through 14, he says this, Paul, empowered by the Holy Spirit, says this, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey its lusts. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. So our task then is just to not say, I'm not going to sin. It's to do righteousness. And there is, the way us humans are built, actually a psychological principle that says, if I get up in the morning and say, I'm not going to eat three pounds of bacon. I'm not going to eat three pounds of bacon. I'm not going to eat three pounds of bacon. By the end of the day, I've consumed three pounds of bacon. And that goes across the board for us. So Paul tells us we have our new inner man. We are dead in Christ to sins and alive to righteousness, to holiness. So we're not just praying again that we don't sin, but that we do righteousness. And that's going to be important. Our hearts need to be settled to do righteousness. And we get a little favor of this in Psalm 34, starting in verse 11. Come, you children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves length of days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. And we're going to see open to their cry. That's really going to be important in a few minutes. But we see from the lips of David that very principle that we should keep ourselves from evil, keep ourselves from sin, 
but then to do good and to seek peace and to pursue it. And that's important. In Psalm 51, David says, Behold, thou dost desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden part thou wilt make me know wisdom. And that's important too. And then Paul says, 2 Corinthians 5, Therefore also we have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. So as we're praying to not be led to temptation, but to be led to righteousness, we encourage our own hearts that we want what God wants, which is less sin and more righteousness. I may have told you this before. There was a time when I worked at a bakery. And when I grew up, I grew up unsaved. And I grew up like guys grow up, making fun of one another, teasing one another, that sort of thing. And the guys were all involved in that. And I got involved in that. And I really hurt a young man's feelings. And when I talked to him about it and said, you know, why are you so sorrowful whenever you see me? He said, from them I expected. And then he said, all he said was, but from you? I apologized. But every day when I went into work, before I got out of my car, I said, Lord, help me be godly and not glib today. When I got to the time machine, I, said, I repeated that prayer. So we see as we pray, lead us not into temptation. We lead ourselves in our own edification to set our hearts on presenting ourselves to righteousness and not to sin. So that's important. We set our hearts and minds and souls to do what's right. When Jesus said, when Peter said to Jesus that he would never leave him or forsake him or even die, that dedication wasn't bad. It was just that Peter was relying on his own strength to fulfill that commitment. We are looking for righteousness. And then we stand before God. And unless we are lying to him, we tell him, Lord, I want your righteousness and not sin. That's our heart's desire. And we are encouraged ourselves from that. He knows what we're facing. But we encourage ourselves by setting ourselves to do what's right each time we pray that. And then the realization that we really do want what God's want. God wants. We want holiness. We want righteousness. Now here, when we read earlier from Psalm 34, that the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, his ears are open to their cry. This is where this becomes important. Because when we do this, when we present our prayers to him to be led from temptation and by implication to righteousness, we are engaging the power of God on our behalf. We know he's listening. We know his, his heart is inclined to the righteous, which is us in Christ, not by our own righteousness. But what a wonderful, excellent thought. We are engaging the power of God, which is going to help us stay away from temptation. So not only, not only do we know he's not going to lead us in temp to temptation, but when we sincerely pray before him to lead, to lead us not into temptation, we are engaging his power. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we are engaging his power, as we saw before, is to give us everything we need in the right quantities, in the right timing. And when we say, lead us not into temptation, we are engaging the power of God on our behalf to righteousness. And he hears us. That's the promise from Psalm 34. 
God is on our side. So we've set our mindset to obey. We've sincerely come to the Lord and declared we want to serve him in righteousness and not in, not in sin. And now we can know that our day has been imbued with the power of God to lead us to that righteousness. It reminded me of John 15 when Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And he's talking about fruit there, not talking about doing stuff. We could do a lot of stuff, but it's going to be meaningless without us abiding and having the power of Christ in our hearts and our lives. And then later, our encouragement is, he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should remain and whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it. Lord, lead us not into temptation. He's going to answer. That's his will. That's in the name of Christ. And when we pray that way, when we pray, lead us not into temptation, we are praying along with David again in Psalm 5 when he says, O Lord, lead me in thy righteousness because of my foes. Make the way straight before me. Again, what a wonderful prayer. And he is going to do that. The great news of the gospel, beloved souls, is that Jesus is our righteousness, and when we pray, lead us not into temptation. Again, we set ourselves for obe to obedience, and that helps us. And then we affirm for our own confidence in our own hearts and minds that we want to do what God wants us to do, and we stand before the holy God of the universe and proclaim that. And as we sincerely plead for righteousness— and the power to flee temptation, we are engaging his power. And to me, that's the sine qua non, as really intelligent people would say, that's the sine qua non of this prayer, of this passage. We are engaging the power of God who is leading us to keep us from temptation. And it reinforces the fact that we pray the promises of God because we know he is in control we long for his will and not ours, and we know he will do it. He will hear and do that. Thank you, Jesus. Lead us not into temptation. The next time, we're going to look at some brilliant, dedicated men and see how they explain our reliance on him. And I believe we'll get some insights into the way they express themselves. We're going to hear from John Owen, Thomas Brooks, maybe another one or two. But I think, thank you for listening. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Thank you for listening. The ministry prays the Lord will use this episode as he chooses to enhance our prayer lives to the glory of God. If you would like to contact us with questions or comments or even personal testimonies on prayer, you can contact us at freerangeprayer at gmail.com, Facebook, Free Range Preacher Ministries, Instagram, Free Range Ministries, 
Twitter, at Preacher Range. If you have any voiceover needs, you can contact Richard Durrington at richarddurrington.com or email at durringtonr at gmail.com. Fred and I wish to once again just say thank you for listening. <laughs>